Another very special edition of Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. Oh, you stole my line. You were kind of trying to groove it in I the was, worship I was here. To, that's right. I'm grooving. So, folks, you're hearing uplifting worship music. Why? Because we're still in Easter season, and you know what? Even if we weren't, yes, it is. He has risen. He has conquered death. He is overall. He is Lord. He is all powerful. So, whatever space you find yourself in tonight, let's begin with that proclamation. Whether we feel it, whether we experience it, whatever struggle we're dealing with, whatever debris from the day, whatever email we got, whatever we came home to, whatever our family or friends are doing or saying, whatever memories we have, whatever clouds, proclaim that Jesus is Lord and that he is overall. And let's avail ourselves to him. You know, a short while ago, uh, I was making some calls to some of our key leaders in our upcoming Praying with Fire conference. It's June 4th on Pentecost, June 4th at Regina Chaley. And I was blessed to talk with my brother, Peter Herbeck. Many of you know Peter, a world-renowned speaker, author, movement leader in new ministries. And uh, I'm so blessed by him because he has such a perspective of what's going on throughout the planet. He's not just in his own spiritual Catholic bubble. He's attuned to what's going on in the world. He's plugged into politicians. He's plugged into influencers and leaders. He's asking the questions. He's reading the books. He's a smart, wise friend who sees at the heart of everything that we see playing out in the papers and the world around us. The heart of all that is the battle of ultimately our souls and eternal life and a God who fashioned us for himself. And all the debris and clouds that surround that. And Peter's strong thing to me was, Greg, you know, I've always known this from the moment of my conversion, but I felt it so strongly of late that that we need to proclaim the name of Jesus. Not just the mechanics or the cliche. or Anybody can say those words, right? They can roll off our tongue. But he was speaking about a heartfelt recognition of who is Lord, who is overall. What God has done in his grandeur, in his majesty, all the heavens and earth were fashioned by him. You and I exist because of his love for us. He is truly overall. And in Peter's, um, you know, just going off and just bringing the fire, if you will, of his experience, not only should we do this because we were fashioned to do this, Revelation speaks of this through all eternity, that our lives are meant to be lives of worship. But brothers and sisters, when we go there, when even as an, again, um, through the shadows, through the dust, whether we feel it, just lift our hearts up in praise to God. When we do that, strongholds are bound. The enemy is bound. And grace floods us. We become aware of our very nature. Something powerful happens when we worship God for who he is. So a little bit of a contrasting thing is certainly there's great praise and petition. There's power in saying, Lord, pour forth your spirit. We need you. Yes, we need to do that. We need to call upon the name of Jesus in our needs. But have we forgotten a space of heart and mind of simply worshiping him for who he is? So I want to invite you all who are listening, get a pen. Get a pen and paper right now. 
And I want to invite you to write this down and pray over it. Don't just presume you're either meant to or not meant to come to the Praying for Fire conference on Pentecost. I want you to pray about it because I know it's going to be a powerful event. Our teams have been praying about this. And we want it to be more than just another event, another dot in the Connect the Dots picture. We are, are wanting to be with a missioned community of believers who are living it out beyond a program but a way of life. And that happened with the very first Pentecost, second chapter of Acts. And we believe the Holy Spirit in that great feast of Pentecost, June 4th, wants to, to pour himself, God wants to pour in a special way and get rid of all the debris so that we experience that outpouring. So here's what I got for you. June 4th, Pentecost, Praying with Fire Conference, no matter what age you are, we invite you to come and go to massimpact.us forward slash fire. Massimpact.us forward slash fire. Now, if you can't afford the price, by the way, we already have it at a price that um, we have benefactors that keep it at that price. But I'm, I'm being totally transparent and sincere with you to your heart as you pray before God about this. If you can't afford that full price, there's a 25, there's a code that I want you to use, 25 fire, no space, 2525, the number's 25 fire for 25% off. Not only that, if some of you think if free is going to get you there, right now, if you're saying, you know what, I would go if it was for free, and if you make that commitment because it costs us an amount of money for the food and speakers and everything else, but if free is going to get you there to join us for this unique outpouring of the Holy Spirit to more fully become that mission community of believers, the code you want to use is get lit. All capital letters, no spaces. G E T L I T. Get lit. Write that code down. Go to massimpact.us forward slash fire, and you'll see a little white text that says enter promotional code. It'll be the first thing that you do. We want you so much to join us. So we will have, as you mentioned, Peter's name, Peter Herbeck from Renewal Ministries, who will be um, sharing with us some awesome, awesome points. Um, the title of his talk is Seven Keys, Keys to a Mission Community. So not just personal relationship <laughs> with Jesus, which is great. But living it in community. He ushers us into the Trinity. So what stands in the way of us living this out? And then our family is going to try to share some lessons that we have learned. And learning. Trying to trying and learning um, to live as a mission to family community. We have Andrew Reinhardt, the infamous, wonderful legend of Toledo. Woo! We love you, Andrew and Brittany. Um, From Holy Rosary Cathedral, he's also on our board of Image Trinity slash Mass Impact, who just has a real heart for the Lord and um, is just brilliantly gifted in in sharing so many deep truths in such an awesome way. Yes. Phenomenal teacher. He'll be giving us the foundations of life in the spirit. And again, we've said this again and again. This is not a personality. It's not a type. It's not a for me or not for me. It's about being Catholic. Once Mark Genovese said, this is Catholic. Every pope, the most recent three popes, have spoken. And we read it in the readings again. You're going to get it again, I think, this coming Sunday. Life in the spirit. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. All the graces there from our sacraments. But this is about stirring it up and having a vision for how to live that and does the world not need to see the holy spirit alive when we read the paper when we're listening to the radio do we not see a need 
for God's kingdom to come? Well, the first step is us saying yes to his kingdom coming alive in us. And another thing Peter and I shared, Peter Herbeck and I were talking about the fact that many of us have had these powerful fill-in-the-blank, Ignite, Crisio, Chirp, that man is you, wonderful things, awesome things, but some of us may feel like, man, I can't imagine it being more powerful than that. When I saw them pray over that person who was healed, or when I had this deep conversion, we think it can't be any better. But brothers and sisters, in the context of eternity and God's magnificent grace, that's just the beginning. In the context of eternity, we're just zygotes. We're just embryos. God wants to do so much more with us in our marriages, in our families, and in our lives. So if that's speaking to you, even if it's you're a little fearful of it, great. If you know in your, the depths of your heart you're meant for a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit as we feel in our own family, join us June 4th for the Praying with Fire Conference, massimpact.us forward slash fire. And so after these wonderful talks, we will come before the Lord in the Eucharist and just really lift our hearts in praise and worship and, and just for the grace to be open to all that the Holy Spirit desires to pour upon us. Father Jeff Macbeth, mm-hmm. ooh, another awesome shout out, lots of gold stars. Um, uh, he will be presiding and uh, he is from St. Peter Huron great community there but just um, a real man of God priestly hearts people's hearts and so they do ignite there on a regular basis and so it's wonderful that we will have him joining us at Regina Chaley Parish here in Toledo um, leading um, that special ignites at the Praying with Fire conference. Worship led by Cassandra Acree. She leads worship and music with John Wood, the extraordinary mission. Uh, kudos again to John Wood. What an amazing pair. You know, as we're going through this stuff, I mean, That's this awesome. is just a we're fraction so of and the if wonderful none of people. This... Our bishop, our priests, our pastors, our leaders, we are so blessed in this area. We have such a heart to see us all kind of on the same page, the same team, working together, open to the Holy Spirit. That's what we're wanting to be at the service of. So Cassandra Acree will be leading worship for us that night also and if that doesn't do it none of that this next thing will our special guest tonight will be there live in person at the praying with fire conference yes and here she is live with us tonight and marie Schleter. It's just Schleter, not Schleter. <laughs> Sounds more Indeed. fun. So we were we were talking. Welcome home. Yes. Thanks, Mom. Welcome back to Annunciation Studios, where you began wow. your recording broadcast yes. career. How far we've come. Indeed. So before we go further, just to set the theme for tonight, and really what we've discussed up to this point is all relevant and good stage setting. The Pentecost outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we've been blessed by Anne Marie's. Uh, you all folks know out there how wonderful it is as your kids get older, as they are observing the world around them, as they've experienced difficulties and challenges, as they're growing in their faith. First of all, it's a great witness to us, but it really ignites and and, uh, creates a context of great conversations as our youngest is now 12, our oldest, Anne-Marie, 19, so we have six kids. Barely, I got that. Six kids in seven years, and uh, really, it's delightful. Am I saying it's always, you know, it's never without duress? It's hardly the case, but we have great, meaningful, most of the time respectful, good conversations with our prayer and togetherness. Anyways, Annie, I said, Annie, um, what has the Holy Spirit really put on your heart?
start. What do you feel over the last year? And in a second, she's going to kind of give us an overview of her last year. But specifically, what are some thoughts that you have? And she went in the direction of specifically as one who is involved in youth ministry and at college ministry for a year, some thoughts about what makes it all the more powerful. Or on the other hand of it, maybe what stands in the way? What are roadblocks to being effective? And another kind of thing with Peter Herbeck, just pointing this out, is we have a limited moment, brothers and sisters. We have a limited moment on this earth where God gives us health and where he puts us in positions of influence, positions of making a difference. And just it's in our hearts to really recognize what is that mission? What am I meant to do? And not pull punches. Are we bringing fully as much as we can, being instruments of God's grace to those whom God called us to be. So this is for parents, this is for youth ministers, this is for pastors, this is for all of us to recognize, as the one song said, for such a time as this. We, as Peter just said again and again today on the phone, we got to get in the game. Now is the time we've got to get in the game. There's, if there's ever been a reason to hold back because things may were kind of good, those reasons are gone. We've got to say, Lord, may I be the disciple you call me to be. So a fun little name we have here, of course, Holy Mass, with no disrespect, because it's the source and summit, but we've got here in the studio the number one chief, Holy Sass, and then confessions of a former youth ministry kid. And Annie, this is an Annie-approved <laughs> title, because first of all, Annie, she how, takes a little not bit many of, things uh, are. So. That's true. <laughs> how do we get the Sass in there? Give us a little bit of background around Sass before we you well, show this a little bit. Well, the day here. Annie was born... <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're no. my mom. What were you going to say? Go ahead, mom. She was sassin, sassafras. In a beautiful way, in a holy way. So, Annie, go for it. Am I talking about my year? <laughs> so, play on sass, sassafras, sasquatch. Sass I don't know. I sass mean, queen of the world, whatever. You've got these weird uses of sass. I'm a vivacious human being. There you go. And that's so, sass. So, <laughs> bring us up to speed this last year. Just from this, a year ago, what were you doing? And then fill in very quickly um, where the Lord took you. Okay. Um, so a year ago this week, I was leaving for Catholic Youth Summer Camp in Centerburg, Ohio, um, where I was for about 10 weeks um, on program staff there. So essentially, I um, led different high adventure activities such as a giant swing, zip lining, high rope sort of things. Um, and uh, gave talks, led small group, that sort of thing. But before leaving, um, Literally, I think it was, what, like three weeks before leaving, I deposited to go to school at Ave Maria University down in sunny southwest Florida. And, um, Marketing. That, yeah, you know. Um, but so that was crazy just that that all came together so quickly and right before I left. Um, and yeah, the Lord so, paved the way for sure with that one. So real quick, I keep saying real quick, quick, okay. Annie, quickly, Annie, Annie, quickly. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> she thought her last name was quickly when she was little, because we were always sending her to do things. Annie, quickly, um, what uh, did CYSC do for you? How did that help you grow in your relationship with the Lord over those 10 weeks? Um, it was crazy because that was the first time that I really was away from home for a significant amount of time. Um, so I guess really the biggest thing that I learned at camp was that I guess I matter. Um, not I guess I matter. I do matter. Um, 
<laughs> but just I, that was very obviously like I grew up in a Catholic family, but that was something that I really experienced. Um, just that Jesus wants to use me apart from my family. Jesus wants to love me apart mm. from whoever I'm with, not just my family or friends or anybody like that. Um, but that my voice also has authority in Jesus and that my thoughts and feelings are valid. Um, I think another big thing that I learned at camp um, was just being able to differentiate between God's voice and Satan's voice and just realizing that all of the times in my life that I have felt condemned, that has not been of the Lord. All the times in my life that I felt guilty, that was not of the Lord. Um, all the times that I've been fearful or struggled with any sort of hatred, self-hatred or otherwise, like that was not of the Lord and the Lord's voice calms and restores. Um, so that was just a really cool thing. And then coming back home, um, I had two and a half weeks or something like that before leaving for school, um, which was absolutely insane. I don't even remember most of it. Um, I do. <laughs> my godson got baptized. That was the best. Anyway, um, and then left for school and everybody was like, oh my gosh, like you're going so far away. Aren't you going to be so scared? And what are you going to do? And blah, blah, blah. And I it was probably, probably just the adrenaline of the summer slash just I wouldn't let myself think about it. But I was just kind of like, this is where the Lord has very clearly called me. And I'm not like, it's going to be fine. So I got there, kicked my family out of my dorm room fairly quickly. <laughs> True. And I, it was funny because I kind of joke with my friends that like I was a freshman for exactly two hours and then it was over um, because I just got involved really, really quickly. And I don't even know how necessarily it was just like God just kept putting all these opportunities in my path. Um, I work for the marketing department at school doing different um, writing and planning TV shows, interviews, that sort of thing. Um, Were some of the people you got to interview or were slated to interview? Um, best, my favorite was Christopher West. I got to interview Christopher West. Um, I also got to interview, um, a world renowned photographer whose name is Michael Colopy, which mm. was really cool because he's literally taken pictures of everyone from mother Teresa to St. John Paul II to basically every secular celebrity you could think of. Um, so really, really awesome guy. He took my picture too. So that was exciting. <laughs> um, that was, that was his claim to fame. Mother Teresa. It's on the Saint front page. Annie Schleter. Anyway, um, of lesser people. Okay. Oh, anyway, you matter, Annie. No, I meant with the lesser people. She's not the lesser. Oh. <laughs> she was on the cover with okay, lesser. Turn down his mic, John Paul. Anyway, moving on. So that was awesome, and then. Um, leading a small group through campus ministry, um, eventually ending up working for campus ministry with different, um, helping to kind of come up with different programming um, and that sort of thing. Alpha, right? Uh, yep, I led a small group through Alpha. Um, different prayer groups that I was involved with, joined a household, which is basically a Catholic sorority. Um, and yeah, just a really good year. And it was it was just cool to like see myself succeed. And it's mm. funny, Dad, that you mentioned that verse from Esther, perhaps you were creating for such a time as this um, because that was on my wall all year and that was just something that like I kept coming back to because there were hard days I wasn't I mean I missed my family a lot but I wasn't really ever like homesick homesick because I knew that I was where I was supposed to be and there was a lot of grace there um, but just like repeatedly seeing wow I'm even like with when days were really really tough and I just like didn't even want to get out of bed kind of thing but like this this is what I was created for but not in the sense of this is it. This is like the apex, but this is just a season of my life and the Lord is in it. Um, a big thing that one of my best friends would tell me a lot is be here now. Mm. Um, and we would talk about how both of us have a tendency to just be really anxious and like want to jump into the next like 
five years and figure everything out that the Lord wants us to do and like try to work for Jesus and all this stuff. But like, I don't know, it was just this constant thing of the Lord just saying, be at rest, like slow down. You don't have to work for love. Um, and that whole thing of like being in the moment, be here now because the grace is now and it's not five minutes from now. There isn't five, there isn't grace for us to deal with five minutes from now. There's grace for us to deal with in the moment. And if we really truly want to know Jesus, we have to be in the moment. Um, so that's what got me through the first year of college. So it was a crazy, crazy year. I'm happy to be home. I'm glad to be home. I'm sure I will be ready to go back when the time comes not ready right now. (laughs) Um, but just incredible to see so much victory and just to see like the Lord really use me was amazing. Um, and just to see that I really don't have to do anything to be used just to be receptive and that he already wants to use me and just the people that he put in my path and who challenged me and helped me to grow. Um, just the ways that he restored so many things, even like past relationships, um, as well as just relationships during the year was super beautiful. So, awesome. so you can see my beautiful eldest daughter inherited a lot of wisdom from her mom and uh, spirit filledness. Is that a word? Spirit filledness. Backing it up, and then I'm going to ask Annie to kind of share with us some of her thoughts uh, on ministry perspective as one who is a beneficiary of ministry programs and such. So, as you all know, if you've heard us, Stephanie and I really were married and, and courted, if you will, in a context of ministry. We've had Justin Fatika on the radio. We've had some others involved. From our earliest roots, we were blessed to kind of be kindred at the very beginning. Uh, and so Anne-Marie um, had net teams always from the earliest years. She was at the, these big and small events that we were at. All of our children were immersed in that. Um, and just it was the pulse of our family, people over all the time, teams over all the time, praise and worship. And then when we moved to Toledo, as she was really a freshman, a sophomore, sophomore in Toledo. So just to kind of give you a gauge for years ago, Annie was a sophomore in high school. Uh, She was entering into some of the life teen experiences and programs and people in this area, and not simply um, our own parish, wonderful parish of St. Joan of Arc, but she was definitely um, attuned and involved in a number of the ministerial endeavors uh, in this area. Uh, All wonderful youth ministers, we all know the challenge. Uh, Pastors, we all know the challenge. And uh, what we wanted to do tonight is just kind of give her an opportunity to kind of share with us from the perspective of one who is very recently there, freshly there, in youth ministry, if you will, who's had a year now of ministry at a college level, to kind of reflect upon what are some of the essential keys, if you will, to a vibrant ministry for us to really fulfilling our mission in this time and in this place with the gifts God has given us right now to make that eternal difference. So, Annie, I'm turning the baton to you. We're interacting, but share with us some of your thoughts. So, like my dad said, um, I've been around ministry for a really long time, and it's been really crazy to see how ministry can be so different within the church, um, and also how effective it can be. And I think that we don't realize, I guess this kind of goes back to what I learned last summer as a basically youth minister, um, we don't realize the power a lot of times that we have and how much we matter. And I think that that power goes back to the fact that we're created in the image and likeness of God. And we, you as a leader, um, everyone like as a Catholic as, or just a Christian, as someone who loves Jesus, who's maybe, um, you know, going to mass or whatever, you have authority in Jesus. You have authority in his blood and in his crucifixion and in his resurrection. And 
I think that we take that for granted um, mm. and we don't realize that that power can go either way. Mm. We don't realize that we can, we have the power to build up and we have the power to tear down. Um, we have the power to speak life or we have the power to speak death. And it's been interesting for me over the years. And like, you know, when you're going through stuff, you don't really think about it necessarily as super impactful, but looking back and seeing how different things have affected me and how I have dealt with different things or how they have formed me. Um, it's really interesting just to see that that is so true that people have spoken life, people have spoken death, um, and just the impact that different people have had. Um, and I don't know, I think that just start out on a negative note. Um, I, one well, of my, life comes by way of death. So, there you know, you it's, go. you know, there Pascal. You go. Go for there it. you go. So I am a super passionate human being. No. Thanks, mom and dad. Um, <laughs> and John Paul over at the sound booth. What a babe. Um, and I thank you. Um, I. Yeah, I just have always had a lot of ideas and kind of have definitely, my parents have done a really good job of praying with me through different things. And obviously I'm not perfect and the way I present things isn't always perfect and communicate things. Um, but I've had such a heart for people who just want more. And I think that's mm. everybody. And in ev I've been involved, like, obviously, well, since I was born, I've been around different youth groups and everything. But I was officially involved with youth group from the time that I was 12. Um, and, like, oh, my gosh, just seeing everybody who came to this youth group and beyond just how much, how hungry people were. Mm. Um, and I would always be like, okay, like, we could do this or this or this. And obviously, there's a time and a place for everything. But basically, every single youth minister or leader in the church and even some priests have said to me they're not ready when talking about these kids these um, young adults about you know what they can handle and what they can't handle especially in terms of you know like okay we should do this event or have this adoration or you know we can have like prayer teams here it's like oh they're not ready or we should do this talk um, mm -hmm. and that just drives me up a wall because I think that everybody like when we were not made for comfort. We were made for greatness. And I think that if we are creating programs that enable people to stay in their comfort zone, then blow up the programs mm -hmm. because there's no point. Like, mm -hmm. what is the point? Then go home and do your Netflix and chill thing. Like there, if you're not being, if we are not being stretched, if we are not encountering Jesus, Jesus, uh, mom, you hate when I use this example, but Jesus flipped tables. That's not comfortable. They weren't ready because you know, their coins were everywhere and they weren't like all put together. Um, Can I pause you a second in that train of thought? Mm -hmm. So for, as a, as a an adult, you know, we we are coaches, right? We see kids at an early age. We're not saying that a young child first taking the floor with a basketball in his hand, uh, showing him pictures of Michael Jordan or whatever, that he's got to be Michael Jordan. But you got to put a vision in front of them. They have to see, I think what you're saying, Annie, is they have to see and be invited to an excellence that they have within them. And in the spiritual realm, see, so I even would go, I'm agreeing with you, and I think you may mean this, but everybody has that deep hunger. Mm. And if they're not a aware of it, if we're not awakening and opening that door, they go back to their same emptiness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So truly, it's not just some people are hungry and some are not hungry. Everybody is hungry. Some are aware of it, some aren't. But through life, some people, and mom and I know them, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, have never been invited to consider the nature of their hunger. And so it's, it's, it's plagued them, literally. They've been emaciated their whole lives. And so at a young age, you know, you're aware of your hunger and you're aware of your peers because you see 
it come out in some way. And maybe the simple analogy, why aren't they being fed? Why aren't we speaking, obviously, in a relevant way, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, in ways that engage them in their culture, but a frustration that they're afraid to go there because games are easier because mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm on target no, with that. No, totally. And I think, Mom, did you have something you want to say? Thanks. Well, I just wanted to just add to... Um, like the world doesn't look at it like that. The world mm-hmm. comes at, mm-hmm. in particular, our young people full force, right? So they're being catechized by the world in worldly ways. Mm-hmm. They're being without reserve, exactly. Right. What's the when? What is the age that most people see pornography? Eleven. For the first time? Eleven is the average age. Eleven. Right. So nobody else is pulling any. You know, oh, they're you know they're not ready. So this is the opportunity that so many people in the church, through these different programs or experiences, have to come out. And yes, we're not saying hit them on the head or in their face, but just a substantial encounter mm-hmm. with the Lord, because they are being forced encounter upon encounter that are so not of the Lord all around them, all throughout the rest of the week in most moments mm-hmm. of their day. Right, and I think that when we do that whole thing of whatever they're not ready then it makes it about us because mm-hmm. as leaders because it's like okay well they're not ready i can't deal with this it has to be my words that reach them my my words aren't enough that whole thing and we don't realize that we are like two percent of the equation mm-hmm. um we are just Less. supposed to introduce them and jesus like there's a whole spectrum of things like we don't even see we don't even know um that are going on and another thing that i get a lot with the they're not ready is you um you what is the line i'm like drawing a blank you are at a place that they're not at you kind of you're way above them you're way ahead that's just an annie schleter thing that's because whatever Hmm. and that always made me so mad in high school um because one that just like totally isolates me so as leaders speaking Mm -hmm. to whoever don't isolate your kids please because you know i don't know i think that the only difference, if there is a difference between me and any of the kids that I've been involved with over the years, is maybe I can articulate that desire better. But we all have that desire. I have that desire. Well they have that desire. I just have been blessed for whatever reason to have parents who talk to me about that desire and have like acknowledged that desire within me. Um, quick yeah. note. Well, quick. Go ahead. So, uh, as we're reflecting on this question you said many will say they're not ready we can't do this etc and again we acknowledge that there's a development we understand that that goal of sainthood is a journey and that's where the church fills in but do people even know where they're going Mm -hmm. do they even have a vision of what um, if you will Matthew Kelly says the best version of yourself even looks like are we afraid of well if we give that to them they'll feel bad I'm not sure what the reason is but let me pose this if this question of being ready is a function of how many respond What would Jesus have done, who knew all, omniscient, omnipotent, especially in his ministry years, when he was presenting the Eucharistic narrative? This is my body, this is my blood. He who does not eat of my body, drink of my blood, has no life within him. Most left him. So I'm even taking it even further and saying, so people leave. It's unfortunate, but they may not have been because they weren't ready to, if you will, accept that or acknowledge it or the rich young man or whatever. Jesus still brought the truth. Why, folks? Because it's life-saving truth. Mm -hmm. And we can't judge what's going on under the roof of those people who experience it. But don't pull punches. We ought not pull punches on communicating the, the, the beauty of the truth because it, feed, it will fit at some point that hunger that they have in their hearts. It's gonna, and we've heard this testimonial again and again. Hey, I heard it you know, three years ago. And they'll say, I wasn't ready, but thanks be to God, I heard it. 
Like the book on the shelf, the good friend gives you, right? You know, it's still one year it's there, two years it's there, and then one day the title grabs you, and it's aren't you glad you had it and you're quote unquote ready to pick it up? But the leaders ought to always bring this truth and invite people to that kind of excellence because guess what? A good number do say yes. So I'm just going to throw this out here, Annie. Certainly, we keep handing you the baton back and forth and then taking it away. We're um, sharing. But the, uh, we, we would love to hear from our listeners. If you have any thoughts, anything that's being shared, anything to add, any questions that you have for Annie, um, the wise Not sass. Not any questions. That's true. Limited questions. <laughs> but the number to call in is 877-275-8098. 877-275-8098. We welcome you to be a part of the discussion. Go ahead, Annie. Way to just be a mom there. I applaud you. Thank so you. many levels. <laughs> wow. Um, another thing that I think is super crucial, since we're talking about making it about us, um, would just be how it's really not supposed to be about us. Um, just again, that it's like this ministry is supposed to direct people to Jesus through the church. It's not supposed to be kind of this, you know, group that just like we just love Jesus inside of our group. We're supposed to go out like the disciples didn't all stay together. They went out. And I think I've seen it, unfortunately, a lot of times where when a youth minister leaves, the kids stop going to church. And that's heartbreaking. Um, I've seen it where the kids just like totally even like worse than that, not only stop going to church, but just like fall into just very morally corrupt lives. And that's just absolutely heartbreaking. And I think, you know, you will know a tree by its fruits. If there is this constant redirection to Jesus, direction to Mm -hmm. Jesus and everything, then that's not going to happen. Maybe the kids will stop, you know, going to youth group or maybe, you know, we're all human. We all make bad decisions, but that's not that's just when you actually like leave the church because a youth minister leaves, then that's a problem. And I think that there's a a temptation as ministers, as leaders to really want to fix these kids hearts. And I, you know, last summer, I saw it a lot where, you know, all we would get. So we had 162 new kids each week. Um, We had eight weeks of camp, two weeks of training. And it was just heartbreaking sometimes because you're just with these kids for a week. And these kids are coming from homes where they've been abused, um, where either like sexually, physically, verbally, whatever, um, where they they're being bullied in school. And you know that you're sending them right back into that same environment. And that's so hard. But there's also so much surrender in that of Jesus. You love them so much more than I love them. And so I'm I'm going to acknowledge that you have given them to me for this period of time, but I'm going to give them the tools to keep going to you and I'm not going to make it about me. I'm not going to make it a pity party. I'm not going to make it so like I'm their savior. No, I'm going to make it so they have that moment with you and you alone. Um, And I think that that's contrasted. I like to say that Satan works in extremes because he totally does Mm. um, of just, you know, we have this kind of can have this temptation of the savior complex or we are only there for the emotional moments and that's it. And then we just leave the kids to deal with whatever on their own. And um, I remember last year I was going through some stuff and a kind of older sister in Christ prayed with me through a lot of things and it was a very intense prayer and just like a lot of healing um, or a lot there were there was a need for healing that kind of came out and it was a very emotional very powerful night and I just remember like I don't think that we've had maybe three conversations since that and I think that definitely again the Lord calls you to be in people's lives for a season but 
but also follow up. Like, don't mm. just let someone deal with all. Like, you can't just pray with somebody or have this conversation and uncover all of this emotion and all of these, you know, back histories and everything else. And then just be like, OK, bye, because then it's messy and hard to deal with. No, like if you are going to do that, then it is your duty as a Catholic. It is your duty as a Christian to remain with that person and walk with that person and journey with that person and check up on that person. And again, the Lord calls us into each other's lives for different seasons. We're not called to fix anything, but a lot of times that, I don't know, like I think Jesus is so faithful and definitely continued what happened that night in my life and continued to bring his faithfulness and everything else. Um, But I've seen friends who kind of have had these wounds opened, but then they're like, what do I do with this? And that just leads to a lot of destructive behaviors. Um, So I think that that is something also that is definitely a challenge. And I think that the way that we avoid that as leaders, the way that we just continue to run to Jesus and let him be the center is to realize that we are not supposed to be on a stage, that we're not supposed to have a platform. One of my favorite bloggers, Ann Voskamp, wrote this article a couple weeks ago about how the only platform that Christians should have is the altar. And that is the only place that we need to go is the altar to be slain, to be totally slaughtered. Our will gets totally slaughtered. Our, you know, ego, everything. It's just, it's Jesus and it's not us. Um, And I think that it's that just makes it so powerful because one then everybody else are the people we're leading can totally go there with us and it's not just you know I'm leading you no it's it's I'm dying and I think as ministers in a special way we are supposed to lay down our lives and dad I remember you were talking about a couple weeks ago we were talking about praying over people and how um, or a couple months ago we were talking about praying over people and how when you pray over somebody when you pray with somebody you are literally placing yourself between that person and whatever is coming at them whatever evil is inflicting them and I think that that is true in such a special way for church leaders um, that you are literally standing between everybody that you are leading and everything that's coming against them and you are not enough to deal with it we are not enough to deal with it on our own um, but it's because of Christ's sacrifice it is because of Christ's death and resurrection that that makes us enough because he is enough but we have to let him take over I have to point out that's beautiful Anne-Marie um, point out that for maybe many leaders who are in ministry um Yes, we're all going to be unhealed till we meet our maker, right? But maybe we need to be honest and seek a kind of inner healing from things in our past that will allow us to go to that place of love, Mm. that allow us to have that kind of transparency. Because I'm just wondering how many pastors, youth ministers are afraid of the kind of, I'm going to say, appropriate intimacy, appropriate engagement of the people that they're pastoring to. And there are lines, and we get that. There's professional lines, and we're not psychologists or psychiatrists, most of us, and we got to acknowledge that. But maybe there's um, an, an unwillingness to go to places or really name these things, the likes of which you see in at least two great books that are out right now. One is Unbound by Neil Lozano, which speaks about uh, the powerful blessing uh, that God offers us in our Catholic faith. And then Be Healed by Bob Schutz, which really identifies this whole realm. Father Matson, we had him on the radio. Um, a lot of people are really reading these books. Again, Unbound by Neil Lozano and Be Healed by Bob Schutz. And again, a common theme that, about those both is that we are fashioned of love. We're of the very fabric of love. God is love. But at some point, part two is that we've all been betrayed. Our love has been betrayed. And to some extent, I'm dating myself, but Pink Floyd, all in all, it's another brick in the wall. We've built walls. 
And uh, as a result, um, there's weeds in the garden where it, it causes fear of us to go in places that love requires. So I'm simply speaking to maybe many leaders, parents, where we, we have a fear of going deeper into or connecting with or opening the door for God to minister through us in that powerful way because we're so crippled by things in our past. Totally. And I think that when we do that as leaders, when we take that additional step for healing, that makes our ministry so much more powerful. Um, and it also encourages the people that we're ministering to, the people that we're leading to go to that place, to go to the well, to be healed, to be vulnerable. Um, I think that on a slightly less somber note, um, one of the biggest things that should be so simple, but it's not, and I don't know why, um, is, <laughs> is like work together um, mm. as, you know, just leaders, as Christians, as Catholics in general, we're on the same team. Mm. We are literally on the same team. And there, I don't understand what the competition is. And I think that sounds really vague and everything else. Um, but I, oh my gosh, since way back in the day, my whole 19 and a month years of experience, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, just seeing these youth ministers literally schedule stuff on the same night all of the time. And it's so ridiculous because mm. like... I like to go to all of the things <laughs> so, <laughs> as the youth group nerd kid. Um, no, but just seriously, like, and it's, it's different, you know, like, okay, it's one thing when you're going to all schedule like your actual youth group night on the same night. That's fine. Everybody go to their own parish youth group, whatever. But when you're going to, you know, just have different, um, I don't know, diocesan events or adoration, praise and worship type of things or retreats and you schedule them on the same night. That's just, oh, and even, I don't know, like working together and communicating and bringing people to each other's things and just showing that solidarity because the biggest coolest thing one of the biggest coolest things about the catholic church not the but one of is just that community and i don't think any other church has the kind of community that the catholic church has and has the potential to have even greater community of um and I saw, you know, at camp last summer, even at school, like I experienced some of the most incredible sisterhood, some of the most incredible brother sisterhood um, of just people who might be very different ministries, very different, whatever, but still just like, okay, like you are doing what the Lord has called you to do. I'm doing what the Lord has called me to do. We're still running on the same road. Let's keep going. Um, even uh, one of my close friends um, works with a ministry called Young Life, and I don't feel called to do that ministry, but like I would go to Young Life stuff with her or do things like that because I support her um, or even just in that's that ministry doesn't reach out to actual college students but even seeing at school you know different ministries for college students um, within you know the same umbrella and still just kind of like when they would work together it was so awesome and these people you know might want to do different things and whatever else but like we are worshiping the same God and we have the same end goal and there's no reason um, for kind of like, Oh, well I, my, you know, youth group's going to have like this many kids and yours only has this many kids or whatever else. Like, and I would say that that applies to all ministries in mm -hmm. the church, not exactly. just different youth groups and different parishes. But when a parish 
in all these different ways and all these different charisms and committees and ministries are able to truly work together and not compete with one another, that's when the Lord's work mm-hmm. really happens. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a note here also to those who are involved in ministry, and we've been really speaking this to our kids uh, increasingly as they kind of share with us an adult engagement in this ministry and mission to really kind of share hearts of, I, I, should I say, the way the enemy attacks ministerial people ministerial people. And uh, C.S. Lewis typifies a lot of this in Screwtape Letters, and there are others who've written about these things. But one key thing, I think, is spiritual narcissism. Take a moment and just think about that. Spiritual narcissism? Do those two words even fit together? Well, it's very, very possible for us to, because we're unhealed, to derive our value and our esteem from being engaged in ministry. And it's hard to tell. I mean, you may be gung-ho and have a lot of people showing up and bring your ministry A game and people are speaking of you and doing all this, but there may be formidable roots. We all will struggle with that. Let's just say that. We will because we're human. But there may be formidable, unrecognized roots of spiritual narcissism that linger there, and they will poison. They will poison us. They will poison people around us. They'll cause them to be attuned, if you will, to other things other than Jesus, if you will, to worship emotions in the name of God, to worship the program in the name of God, to worship the leader in the name of God, and it all is the God package and language. So it's really something I encourage parents who are really involved in ministry, priests, us, you know, um, to our kids, we say be very attuned to what degree we're gauging our value. There's a good passage, many on that, but one Matthew seven twenty two to 23, and Jesus says, on that day, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Now, let me just stop in the passage because that's 722. Most of us, if we saw somebody prophesy and cast out demons and work mighty works, wouldn't we say, wow, I want to follow that person. That, that's amazing. Like, that's just such power. But the next passage says this, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of lawlessness. What's the key in this passage for all of us and maybe to ministers is um, I never knew you. It's not about the works. It's not about just ritual or just religion. The heart of that, as Pope Benedict says, is this relationship. I never knew you. Is the heart of all we do an honest, humble, radical reliance on Jesus who may just as well want us to be still. He may want us to simply, you know, sit in silence with our group, something very, from the world's perspective, undynamic, but him working very, very powerfully. Yeah, totally. And I think just a little personal testimony moment. Um, So this summer is the first time in a very long time that I'm not explicitly formally involved in ministry. And... um, just for a variety of reasons. Um, and I think that has been, I think, I know that, <laughs> that has been quite the challenge. Um, but Why is that a challenge, Annie? Because it is. Um, just, you know, I, I that's what I love to do. And mm. that's what I'm passionate about. And, like, I never, ever, ever want to have a nine-to-five job because I just don't do that like I am just always running and I and even like so I work um like I said before in the marketing department at school and I love Ave everybody come to Ave sunny southwest Florida no but like I (laughs) I could never do marketing for anybody other than Jesus because otherwise you're lying not lying but like I sound really horrible right now I love anybody who does marketing you're great (laughs) (laughs) I think she's saying she for her personally where the Lord is calling her 
damage control. That's what mothers should actually be called. Anyway, but <laughs> no, great. just in the they sense make an app for that. Of I feel for me personally, I feel like with any kind of marketing or communications or whatever, there's a level of exaggeration that goes on. But like mm. when you're marketing Jesus, he's too mm. good to be true anyway. Mm. So there's like, <laughs> there's no exaggeration. Exactly. And just kind of with my background and everything with, with my background, with my background and you know, the way I grew up and everything else, like that's what I'm passionate about. And I've kind of done other things and thought about I love writing. I've thought about, prayed about like maybe making that like an editing career or something like that. But and maybe the Lord will still call me to do that. But I just think with the skill set that he has given me and the passion that he has given me, I'm supposed to work in the church. And I guess that's why I'm so passionate about ministry stuff and kind of like seeing mediocre leaders because I see what it can be. And not saying that I have all the answers and that I'm perfect and that I know any everything. That would be my mom. But like, I think <laughs> I think I just it hits me really hard um, because I see how I have been affected and I see how other people in my life have been affected. Um, but anyway, so just on that note of, you know, working in an office job this summer, which so grateful for like the opportunity to make money to go back to school and whatever else the Lord is calling me to do. Um, but realizing that I am not tied to my worth is not tied to my ministry. Um, how many people I'm quote unquote, you know, leading to Jesus that, that I can explicitly see no matter like how many people I'm praying with. It doesn't matter. Um, ultimately, it doesn't matter. And kind of going from, you know, this year, just like literally, you know, praying over multiple people a day at some points and um, I don't know, not counseling, but just, you know, having these deep conversations with people who are very much struggling on a daily basis and then like coming home and like having the whole like nine to five sort of thing. It's it's kind of hard, but it's awesome because the Lord has just been showing me more and more to just be at rest. And I was talking to a friend the other day about how I am so sick of this whole obsession with Catholic celebrities. And it's a big thing at Ave and I'm sure other Catholic colleges, Franciscan, wherever else. And I see it too in, you know, high schoolers here is just like this, you know, oh, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to be a speaker and an author and all this stuff. And it's kind of like, okay, that's great. Like maybe the Lord will call you to do that. I love to speak. I love to write. Um, but that should not be our end goal. It goes back to that whole thing of the only platform you should have, the only stage you should have should be the altar. And it should be you dead on that altar with Jesus and go ahead mom speaking of Catholic celebrities who'd you get to meet <laughs> um, on our way home from oh, Atlanta Matt Fred. <laughs> I was thinking of the Rolling Stones song Jumping Matt Fred it's a gas we Anyways, met Matt Fred so. in a parking lot that was great and I always wear my Porn Kills Love shirt not always like I wear <laughs> the only thing and for the uninitiated listeners that it. means what his ministry is Porn Kills Love anyway um but yeah, so I just, I don't know, like it has been such a good thing for me a week into this job and a couple weeks into being home, just being able to um, realize that like, Jesus, you just want to love me where I'm at. Mm. And um, we're not supposed to be Catholic celebrities. And I, I see it, this kind of goes along with it too, just like this desire, obsession, something of like amassing this like group of cool Catholic kids and it mm. kind of drives me bonkers a little bit mm. because just kind of like I see just I've seen different Catholic leaders reach out to only the kids that they think are like the cool popular kids and like will like make them look good and build up their ego 
and kind of and that just that's just not how it's supposed to be that's not how it's supposed to be you're not supposed to kind of have like little groupy disciples like you yourself are supposed to be a disciple mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. we are supposed to be disciples and i think that that just like turns it more about us and less mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. jesus um and just kind of that thing too of i think there's also today in a lot of different even really good ministries that i love there's this cookie cutter catholic thing going on where this is the right way to pray and this is the right way to be holy and this is the right way to speak and this is the right way to have relationships with the opposite gender that are godly and just this whole list of things and it only looks this one certain way and the thing is is that jesus holiness doesn't detract from our personality Mm. holiness enhances our personality and who we're created to be and like jesus created us with personality jesus created us with sass and like personality (laughs) traits and just good things and joy and just like silliness and everything else and you know the way that you worship or the way that I worship or whatever else and like obviously within the truth of the church but it's not supposed to look we're not all supposed to look one certain way we're not all supposed to like fold our hands at the exact same time or have our hands open at the exact same time or have the same level of relationships with like certain people it's it's all going to be different and so when we try to control that that's the thing you know like it all goes back to control I feel like because even like back in the garden thank you eve when you tried to control just like how cool or whatever you thought you were and like tried to take matters into your own hands if you were godly enough or not like you didn't trust god so you took that apple and had to be all in control still struggling with that today and i get passionate about that too because i struggle with it and it's kind of this control thing of you know we are so afraid to let go of our ministry we're so afraid Mm. to let go of our lives in general because i think we're afraid to want more because we're afraid that our expectations won't be met we're afraid to cast the nets out because what if they come back empty we're afraid that god isn't big enough we're afraid that god's gonna abandon we're afraid that we're gonna look stupid well that's just ridiculous because god god's perfect and he created us to prosper that was a big theme of this year of like where god leads you he's already there and he's already created he's there's the grace there to prosper abundantly and what you think is prospering what you think is prosperous is not necessarily what's actually prosperous because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts so i think it's that prayer of like lord just conform my idea of being prosperous to what your reality of being prosperous is just a um Beautiful right there. St. Irenaeus, of course, the glory of God is man fully alive. And how many of us are maybe setting aside our personality because we think we've got to be, if you will, robots. We've got to conform to these ways and these styles. We don't realize that this truth that God gives us has a beautiful myriad of personalities. Chesterton spoke of this so beautifully, of how a true faith ennobles the, all those dimensions of our, human, of our humanity. Um, I, one way that I think in our family, at least in our ministry context, we tried to speak of this or address this is saying things like, I hope you see my imperfections. I hope you see my warts. I hope you see all of that so that when you see any good happen, you'll only be able to attribute it to God. Um, Another maybe corollary to that is if we're speaking called to be there, if we're called to one-on-one witness to people, the greatest measure of success isn't that they walk away and they say, Annie was great. Steve was great. Greg was great. Whatever. It's Steph Steve? is great. <laughs> I'm thinking of Steve. I don't know. Steve's my nephew. Anyways, Steve uh, is great. He is so good true. man. Uh, Father Steve Matson. We'll throw him in there. Father Steve Schreiber. Anyways, I digress. Um, no, the the realization that um, people are brought to Jesus that. 
that we, even though we know there's going to be a tendency of so-and-so is the great speaker and they, the books and all of that, but truly it's all about are, they, are we bringing people to Jesus and are they walking away from this in a closer relationship with Christ? And, uh, an additional thing I think there, Anne-Marie, is that many people, I got a call the other day uh, from somebody saying, hey, there's this situation in our family in need of healing. Can you give me Father Matthias's number and contact? Of course, Father Matthias is in huge demand right now and he doesn't want me to share his his uh, cell number. But I did share with this person. I said, yes, he's a great gifted leader, but you know what? There's a lot of contexts here in the city even of people who are praying and miracles are happening. Signs and wonders are happening. So um, don't hang on to the groupie. Don't, you know, be fixated on the as awesome as that one priest is or that one person who wrote that book or EWTN, whatever the case may be. Guess what? The greatest indication is that we're saying, Lord, do your thing with me. May I be your instrument. Awaken in me my particular place to be an instrument of your grace. When that starts happening uh, more, I think we're going to see even more of God's Mm -hmm. kingdom coming. And I just want to say, um, just to the people who are leading, who are running the race, um, who are striving for Jesus, who are literally laying their lives on the line, um, spiritually, emotionally, whatever, like, thank you. Um, I know that Satan comes against you with everything when you're doing the Lord's will. And on Pinterest the other day, um, <laughs> I, I saw this quote that I have to find the exact quote, but it was along the lines of take attack as an affirmation because the people who are sitting on the sidelines don't get attacked. Um, Mm. And I think, you know, when we are doing the Lord's will, there's definitely going to be rejection. We are, I've been rejected and y'all have been rejected and there will be continual rejection and there will be days when there's still three people who show up for whatever program. Um, but don't take that as a measure of your success. Don't take that. That's, you know, again, like we have to surrender our idea of success, of prospering to what the Lord's reality of success and prospering is. And also to the people who have been hurt by leaders in the church, I just want to say I'm sorry Mm -hmm. on behalf of them because, you know, like you matter, Mm -hmm. um, your feelings matter, your thoughts matter, and you know, let your voice be heard. Don't let that shut you up. Um, don't let that shut you down. Keep running the race because this was never about you and a person. This has always been about you and the God who is radically in love with you. And that goes, you know, for ministers or whatever, first and foremost, we need to love before we can love. We need to be loved before we mm-hmm. can love. We need to be loved before we can love. And we can't place our hope in anybody. We can't place our hope in a program. We can't place our hope in a person. We have to place our hope in Jesus because everybody else is going to let us down um and the church the church is awesome the church does not fail but the people who are in the church are human and we fail and we just have to continually stand up again and just receive god's grace and just keep running the race and not that rhymed and not (laughs) let we can't we can't let these roadblocks stand in our way so thank you um just continue continue to just i don't even know if continue to love we all have ministry we're all called to lead people we're all called to just surrender more deeply and let's just let god take over in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen dear lord thank you so much for this opportunity to open our hearts and our minds all the more to your great love for us and 
grateful for my beautiful daughter Anne-Marie sharing your love in her life and uh, insight of how we can all the more be your body, your presence, formidable, powerful, an occasion of transformation. Make us aware that you call us all, Lord, to be instruments of your grace together. We lift it all up to you, Lord God, for the glory of your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.